From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. back to Terra Informa. My name is Julianne and I'll be your host for the next half hour of environmental news from across Canada and around the world. Stay tuned to hear some stories all about urban life. Terra Informers Shelley Jodwin and Carter Gordzitza chatted with organizer Haley Waslicia about Urban Week, an upcoming event from March 20th to 24th at the University of Alberta. But first, some headlines from around the country. On March 6th, BC local Ms. Zhu Mei Kui was fined $75,000 after pleading guilty in the Provincial Court of British Columbia to violating the Wild Animal and Plant Protection and Regulation of International and Interprovincial Trade Act. Upon arrival at the Vancouver International Airport on October 17, 2014, she was stopped when Canadian border officers found undeclared jewellery in her luggage, which was later determined via forensic DNA testing to be made from protected animal species. The items in question included ivory pendants, bracelets, carvings, chopsticks and ornaments made from endangered species including African and Asian elephants, lion, white rhinoceros and hawksbill turtle. It is estimated that between 20,000 and 30,000 wild African elephants were poached last year for their ivory, and wildlife crimes such as these are estimated by Interpol to be the fourth most lucrative crime area worldwide, after only illegal drugs, human trafficking, and counterfeiting, bringing in between 8 and $23 billion U.S. $70,000 of the fine will go to the Environmental Damages Fund to be put toward environmental causes. exhibition opened at the Royal Ontario Museum this past Saturday called Out of the Depths, The Blue Whale Story. It tells the story of Blue, an aptly named 24-meter female blue whale whose enormous 350-bone skeleton will be the centerpiece of the exhibition. In 2014, Blue is one of nine blue whales that perished after becoming stranded in thick ice and one of two that washed ashore in Newfoundland, drawing nationwide attention. Blue whales are the largest animals on Earth by weight, and their populations in the western North Atlantic Ocean are estimated at only 2 to 400. Their number was decimated by whaling before it was banned in the 1960s. Despite the devastating loss, museum scientists hope to add a silver lining to the tragedy of these deaths by taking the opportunity to use this specimen to sequence the entire genome of a blue whale for the first time. Royal Ontario Museum Assistant Curator of Mammalogy, Burton Lim, says, quote, 
These particular samples that we got from Newfoundland will be very important baseline data for future research into not only the evolution of whales, but also their conservation." End quote. The museum hopes to draw public attention to blue whale conservation with the new exhibit, which is part of their Canada 150 celebration. That's it for headlines. Now on to this week's stories. What is urban? Who is responsible for the urban environment? And what the heck is an IKEA grow room? Terra informers Shelley Jodwin and Carter Gwadzitsa ask these questions and more of Haley Wasilicia, an organizer of Urban Week, which is coming to the University of Alberta March 20th to 24th. Thank you for joining us today uh, to discuss Urban Week 2017 being held on U of A campus March 20th to 24th. Could you give us a brief introduction to you and how you got involved with Urban Week? So I'm an undergraduate student at the U of A. Um, I currently I have a minor in human geography but hoping, hoping to switch to urban planning and so I'm a part of the Planning Student Society and so when we started planning Urban Week they just asked for people who wanted to help contribute to it, help plan it and I stepped up to be part of the team. That's really cool. Are you enjoying it so far? Uh, yeah, yeah, no I am. It's been a lot of fun. It's been pretty busy but it's been a good experience so. Yeah, excellent. Um, so. Today we're discussing Urban Week. Can you tell us what urban means? So urban usually has to do anything with urban environments, cityscapes, things like that. So basically it can be anything to do urban design, urban governance, anything that really involves the city. So that's a pretty broad topic, but Urban Week is pretty broad. So Cool. This week is being marketed as a week-long event focusing on students the community members in discussions about urban planning. So could you like expand on that and what that all means? So a lot of students, I think, tend to have the idea that urban planning is only for urban planners. It's only the urban planners who do the city planning. And I think that's really, and the whole team, I think, thinks that's really a false idea because the city has to do with everything, right? There are people who engineer our roads. There are people who deal with the sustainability. Um, there are people who design the architecture, so it's really a very broad spectrum and we want to engage students in that conversation in a way that allows people from all faculties, all disciplines, to really contribute to the conversation around how our city develops. Cool. Um, what are some of the things that you have going on during this week? So we have a variety of different events. We have workshops where students can kind of engage in a hands-on type of fashion. Um, we have lectures where we have people coming in and talking about their areas of expertise. And we have things like panels, right, so where people can interact by asking questions. We'll also have some displays throughout the week, so we have quite a variety of different things. Well, it sounds like that's a lot going on. You've got some cool projects going on this week, and we're especially interested in the Grow Room project. Um, from what we can tell, this is a sort of furniture that you put your plants on. <laughs> um, it's only for use indoors. And um, is that right? Just just indoors? Can, no. you, can you tell us more about 
what makes it special? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it actually, it can be used both indoors and outdoors. That just kind of depends on the material that you make it out of. Um, So we are designing ours for use indoors just because we're going to, we think it's going to be a little bit easier to place it after Urban Week. Um, But it can be used both indoors and outdoors. Um, And it's basically, it was designed to help increase awareness and help increase accessibility to urban gardening. So we're hoping to place it somewhere indoors within the city where people can use it for that purpose. Okay, so so what, what is it? So... IKEA has an initiative that is their sustainable design lab and their sustainable design lab is called Space 10. And what Space 10 does is they create engineering, they create projects through engineering that are designed to help increase awareness and help contribute to sustainability movements. So Space 10 designed the grow room and they actually created the grow room files online to be open source. So anybody can access the documents. Um, It's totally free. Um, and they, as part of the sustainability, they didn't want to create the projects at a central location and then ship them out. That kind of would counter counteract the sustainability side of it. So basically anyone anywhere can download the files for the precision cutting, cut the plywood, and then assemble it just like an IKEA chair. They have instructions online. Um, and then it can be really assembled anywhere that it fits and used for urban gardening. Cool. Um, so that sounds obviously like a very community-based project. Do you have any expectations or things you want the community to help you guys with in like creating the grow, grow room and like building on that? So we do right now. I have a construction team um, and a team that's going to care for the plants in the grow room throughout the week that it's here. Um, we do have sponsors for the CNC cutting of the plywood and for um, the plywood itself. Um, we have some sponsors for the greenery that's going to go in it, but we are looking for a couple more. So if anybody wants to contribute to that, you know, we're open. We always have more space. It's a big project, so lots of plants. Cool. Um, just to rewind, you said... Uh use an acronym in there, CNC, what does that mean? So it's basically just a type of precision cutting that can be done with files online and then the plywood is cut using a machine using the design that's templated on the computer. Wow, that sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a little bit beyond me, but that's that's <laughs> the construction team. So <laughs> Yeah, sounds like the goal is to reduce your waste there, yes. right, if it's all designed in advance? Yes, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is. It's good, right? Sustainability, right? The whole project just embodies that, which is good to see. Mm -hmm. So where uh, where are you putting it on campus? Um, We are hoping to put it in the Students' Union building, um, and we're going to have it just kind of in the sunroom sort of area, which would be on the south side of the Students' Union building in the basement. Cool. Do you guys expect to be growing any, like, food out of the project, or is it more based upon, um, like, awareness and stuff about urban farming? Um, So we're not 100% sure. That really depends on where the grow room ends up. Um, Right now we're looking actually at having it um, in the Stollery Children's Hospital, hopefully. Um, And we're curious kind of about running a weekly or bi-weekly gardening program out of the grow room in the Stollery for children who are staying at the Stollery. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if that's the case, we wouldn't be growing food. It would just be any sort of plants, right, that the children can engage with to to get them interested in urban gardening and give them the skills to go out and do it, right, in the future. Um, if it does end up somewhere else, like a recreation center or indoors near a community garden, then there's the potential to grow food in it. We aren't pressure treating the plywood or anything, so we're keeping it safe so food can be grown in it if that need arises. 
Okay, so really just cool. uh, oh, it it is really <laughs> right. Um, uh, just to be clear, though, so you're hoping to build this and have it in sub during, like during the urban week, mm-hmm. and then move it somewhere else to a forever home, yes. such as the Stollery. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's correct. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a big plan, but we're hoping that it all works out. So, <laughs> fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so far, it has. So that's good. You're having a food panel. Can you tell us who you're looking forward to hearing from and what we'll be learning from them? So we have three people who are going to be speaking on the food panel. Um, We have Catherine Lennon, and she's a principal planner at the city of Edmonton. We have Stan Blade. He's dean at the faculty of Ailes, University of Alberta. And then we have Michael Moore, and he's president of the Edmonton Permaculture Guild. And so basically, we designed the panel in order to draw from quite a variety of different perspectives. So Catherine will provide kind of the public sector perspective coming from the city, the planning background, working with the municipality. Um, Stan, we, we brought him into the panel because we wanted kind of an education perspective right, what, what students are learning now, right, on the topic of food sustainability. And then we have Michael Moore, and he represents kind of a private interest group, a private group working to get permaculture and gardens in the city. So we want to have quite a, quite a broad conversation with them. The panel is designed to be about an hour and a half. Um, so we want to have them talking about things like how do we get urban gardens in our community, right? How do we design them, right? How can the community come together to create them? How do we work with the city of Edmonton in order to get the permitting for them? And then we want to talk sometimes about, you know, maybe the obstacles that we'll face, right, when designing community gardens, right? Because there are a lot of rules around them. Um, we also want to talk about some of the newer urban gardening and urban agriculture things that have been kind of coming on the radar in the past year or so. So, you know, beehives, having chickens in your backyard, things like that. They've been new developments, things that are starting to be allowed more and more as people demand them. And so we really want the variety of perspectives on the panel to kind of discover that. Sounds like an exciting opportunity to hear from some experts. Yeah, yeah, no, and we also will have an open question period at the end of the panel. So for anybody attending who wants to ask these experts questions, they can feel free to attend. It is open to the public and ask all the questions they want. So what's your question for the panel? Oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we were we were trying to have actually the team, the Urban Week team, not design the questions, but actually ask the questions through um, the uh, through the software that we're using to provide the tickets, and also through the Facebook page for people who register. That way, it kind of you know represents the interests of the people who are attending. Mm-hmm. So people can go online somewhere and submit their questions to you? Yeah, yeah, we'll have, we have a Facebook event through the Geography and Planning Student Society page for the University of Alberta. And through there, we have a public open event. It's called Urban Week. So anyone who's interested can go on there, search it up, and just post on the wall or post on the specific event for the speaker panel and ask your questions. We'll make sure they get answered. And that's really great. We'll make sure that link is on our website. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I took it's the first time this week's being planned. Is it the first year? Yeah, yeah, this before? is the first time. We're hoping to have it every uh, every year in the upcoming years, but this is the first time we're running it. Awesome. That's really cool. 
Um, so during the week, uh, you're having a beekeeping workshop and a beekeeping tour at McEwen University, which is really cool. Why are bees important in an urban environment? So as I'm sure a lot of us know, there's been a decline in the bee populations recently, um, and that's due to, due to a variety of reasons. But we, there's been a large public interest in you know, having bees in the urban environment, um, especially because there's been a recognition, you know, the urban environment is not separate and distinct from the environment as a whole, right? And people, I think, are really trying to reintegrate bees and agriculture into the urban environment, so we're in sync with that. And I think there's been a recognition that, you know, it's not just plants that we need to have in the urban environment, because you look at the environment elsewhere, right? We have the pollinators, right? We have all these animals and insects that make up an ecosystem. So if we're trying to integrate, you know, urban gardening and sustainability into the city, we need to be integrating the entire ecosystem, not just the plants, so. So um, what is the special role of bees in an urban environment specifically? It seems like um, people are pretty clear on uh, on benefits of growing your own food um, and having gardens and greenery around. But why? What makes bees the missing link? So they're one of the primary pollinators, and so I mean, as Albert Einstein once said, if we lose the bees, we lose everything, right? So they're the pollinators. So they're what we would call like a keystone species. Without them, everything kind of will fragment. The structure of the ecosystem will fall apart. We won't have as much biodiversity. Things won't thrive, right? So without that keystone species keeping everything else in place, we're at risk of losing a lot of species, not being able to grow things, and just our, you know, the fertility of soils declining, all that kind of stuff. I saw that you had two different people who are like experts on permaculture coming in during the week. Could you um, speak at all to like the entrance of permaculture into like urban areas and like where you think that's going or where this, why they're included on this board? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So permaculture is all about designing gardens in a way that isn't, I'm going to say, the modern agriculture of monoculturing food and creating it in, you know, huge farmers fields, right, acres upon acres of the same crop like corn, right? So permaculture is designed to be incorporated anywhere and incorporated in a way that kind of maximizes what you get from the gardens, maximizing your yields, and it's designed to be able to be accessible to all kinds of people wherever they live. So I think that's kind of why it's taken off, right? You can integrate permaculture in boxes in your house, you can integrate it outside, and there are so many ways to integrate permaculture so that it's it makes urban gardening accessible, which has become more appealing to people. I think there are a lot of workshops. You see more and more workshops coming up for permaculture. I've taken a couple myself. Um, and for example, one of the kind of things they teach you in permaculture is you can build, instead of having flat rows on a garden outside, you can actually build these little mounds. So you increase the surface area of your garden and you can grow more. So it's just small things like that that make it more accessible and increase your yields, right? Make it more productive. Yeah, awesome. One thing about urban gardening um, is that it seems to be more accessible to uh, people who are a bit higher up on the socioeconomic scale 
because um, simply by virtue of them having more time to actually do these sort of things. Um, do you have any sense of what uh, what's being done in a practical kind of way uh, to, to make growing your own food more accessible maybe in the city or around the world? Yeah, so and it is kind of a funny thing, right? Because ironically, the people who have the ability to afford the best food, the most food, are the people who are also able to grow it all themselves, have those economic savings. So in terms of getting urban gardens into places where we have people, you know, on a different side of the socioeconomic scale, um, there are places that are, and a good example of this in Edmonton is Sustainable Foods Edmonton, that are working with communities to get gardens in every community in the city or in the municipality that they're in. And so that way, nobody's really left out of the sustainable food model, right? I mean, the whole premise of the sustainable food model is that it's sustainable for everybody. If it's only sustainable for the upper class, it's not sustainable. So we have these, I'm going to call them private groups that are operating in the public interest, trying to get gardens everywhere. And I think more and more municipalities are becoming conscious of the fact that people want this. And they're working to, you know, structure their surplus land, right? So that land that can't be used for real estate, transport, roads, things like that can be used for urban gardens. Talking about urban gardens and um, bringing more like food security to Edmonton, um, do you see the benefits of urban gardens being specifically around food security and um, like food justice, or do you see other benefits like coming from a human geography point of view? Um, what do you see are like the social or economic benefits of having these urban gardens in? Yeah, so I think there are so many benefits to them. And like you said, it's not just related to the food accessibility. Um, when people get out in the gardens, they're, you know, they're interacting with members of their community. And you look at a lot of communities today, especially in the suburbs, right, where people get into their car in the garage, they drive out of the driveway and they go to work in the morning. They're never really walking around in their community. And those community connections have been shown to be so beneficial, right, to people's mental health, to their happiness. So in creating community gardens, we get people out there, we get people interacting, and that's, it's crucial if we want to have sustainable, happy communities. Um, and then the other thing is that we're getting people outside, we're getting people moving, we're getting people exercising, right? You look at the obesity epidemics that are happening across North America, and it's really important that we get people active, right? Without that, people can't be healthy. So not only do the gardens produce healthy food, but they get people moving, which is another key to healthy lifestyle. Um, and then the other thing, I think it really increases people's appreciation and awareness of the environment. You know, we live in this society where it's easy to live in a concrete jungle, right? We really have no connection, right, with the outside environment, right? I mean, maybe you drive to the mountains a couple times a year, but maybe that's it. So I think this really increases people's appreciation for the environment. You know, they see that a carrot comes from the ground. It doesn't come from the supermarket. So, yeah, no, there are a lot of benefits to them, definitely, besides just the accessibility of the food. I'm curious, so uh, 
as a as a recent graduate um, that has done lots of work in student groups, um, I think it's pretty common um, for an event like this to uh, be preaching to the choir a little bit, um, which, and not to say that's a bad thing, I think all of us staying informed is very important. Um, but have you guys gone to any special lengths to make sure that you're engaging people who wouldn't ordinarily come out to this sort of thing? Yeah, so, and like you said, it is really important that we expand our audience. I mean, the people who are already interested in urban agriculture are not necessarily the people we want to be attracting because we want to be increasing the interest in this. Um, so we're just starting our marketing now, right, the two weeks before the event, um, which is pretty standard for on-campus events. Um, but we're advertising in all faculties and something that we're doing is kind of tailoring our advertisements to the faculties. So for the Faculty of Arts and for areas where there are design programs and design classes held, we're going to kind of tailor our advertisements by talking about, you know, the design of urban gardens, right, and city design in general. Um, for people in engineering, we're going to tailor the advertisements to them because we want to get people from all faculties really interested. And like I said before, it is quite um, an interdisciplinary topic in the sense that there are all kinds of people who can be interested in this. You have engineers who are leading urban gardening programs, you have doctors, you have urban designers. So it's quite diverse and we want to reflect that diversity in the people we bring. Cool. <laughs> what uh, what part of the week are you most looking forward to? Mm, I don't know. That's <laughs> if tough. you have to pick a favorite. <laughs> um, I think constructing the grow room. Um, just because that's kind of, it's it's pretty big, right? It's the first one that's going to be coming up internationally, right? Um, other than the one that was designed as their prototype in Copenhagen, there hasn't been one physically built. There are plans to build them, but there hasn't been one actually, you know, materialized yet. So I think that's, I'm pretty excited to see how that all comes together because it's pretty, pretty innovative, pretty new. So that'll be exciting. So you're making history here. I, I <laughs> hope so. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, I think that's all of our questions for now. Okay, awesome. Yeah, right. thanks for coming in and chatting with us, and good luck. Thank Urban you. Urban Week, March 20th to 24th on U of A campus. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That was Shelley Jodwin and Carter Grodzitta interviewing Haley Wasilicia about Urban Week. Urban Week activities will take place at the University of Alberta from March 20th to 24th. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton, situated on Treaty 6 territory. If you'd like to hear more, check out our website at terrainforma.ca and subscribe to us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions or comments or just want to say hi, send us an email to terra at cjsr.com or tweet us at terrainforma. Thanks this week to our contributors, Shelley Jodwin, Carter Gordzitsa, Charlie Blay, and Amanda Rooney. I've been your host, Julianne Hayes. Tune in next week for more environmental news from Terra Informa. Forma.